Hey guys, hope everyone is doing well today. Hope you're having a good day so far. And thank you for putting up with the computer voices for the past couple episodes. I was a little short on time, so I decided I'd just have a machine do all the reading. Today we're going to continue in chapter 6. I think we left off in chapter 6 talking about sprinkler discussions. As a quick recap, we'll revisit just one statement. All material used in a fire sprinkler system shall be designed for, listed for, and meet the requirements of NFPA for use in a fire sprinkler system. So now as we move forward, let's think about this. What is the main component in a fire sprinkler system? It is the sprinkler. And what happens when a sprinkler activates due to fire or damage from an accident of some sort? We need extra sprinklers to replace that one. Every system installed requires a small stock of spare sprinklers. How many sprinklers do we need? Chapter 6.2.9, the first statement gives us the minimum number of spare sprinklers required and explains why we need the spare sprinklers. NFPA says a supply of at least six spare sprinklers shall be maintained on the premises so that sprinklers that have activated or been damaged in any way can be promptly replaced. These sprinklers shall correspond to the type, temperature, and rating of the sprinklers in the existing fire sprinkler system. And these spare sprinklers shall be maintained and kept in a cabinet located in a place where the temperature will at no time exceed the maximum ceiling temperature specified in 6.2.5, which we covered in the last discussion of Chapter 6. Now, in my opinion, the best way to take care of this is be sure the spare sprinklers are never exposed to temperatures higher than 115 to 120 degrees. Now, what about dry barrel sprinklers? If all dry heads on a property are all the same length, we should have a spare stock of dry heads. However, NFPA 13 does give an exception to this. Where dry sprinklers installed are of different lengths, dry sprinklers shall not be required to be kept on premises. However, it does state that there needs to be a means to quickly return the system to service. This can be a nipple and cap, a wet sprinkler, a threaded plug to temporarily replace the dry head that's activated or been damaged until a new head can be installed. So our next question is, how many sprinklers of each type do we need? Well, we have the answer, but we don't have a perfect answer. The answer we do have is in a statement in 6.2.9.5. The stock of spare sprinklers shall include all types and ratings installed in the system and shall be as follows. Number one, for facilities having 300 sprinklers or less, you should have no fewer than six sprinklers. Number two, facilities that have 300 to 1,000 sprinklers installed, no fewer than 12. And for properties that have over 1,000 sprinklers, we should have no fewer than 24 spare sprinklers available. So how clear is that? Now notice the numbers 6, 12, and 24 are the minimum numbers. We could have more than 6, 12, or 24. So now we have a total minimum number of sprinklers, but no specifics on how many of each type. Now this is widely interpreted and understood by most in the sprinkler business to mean 6, 12, or 24 that include a representative sample of each type of sprinkler. However, this is not 100% clear and specified in NFPA 13. So that means a fire marshal could interpret this to mean 6, 12, or 24 of each type of sprinkler in the system. However, that is a very uncommon interpretation. Along with these spare sprinklers, we need to have one sprinkler wrench for each type of sprinkler that is in the cabinet. 
For new installs, a list of sprinklers installed on the property shall be posted on the cabinet. This list needs to include, number one, the sprinkler identification number or SIN number, the manufacturer, the model, K-factor, deflector type, meaning upright, pendant, horizontal sidewall, etc. Temperature rating, the total quantity of each sprinkler that is in the cabinet, and the date that the list was created. Now moving on from sprinklers, the next thing we find in Chapter 6 of NFPA 13 is above ground pipe, underground pipe, tube, and fittings. This covers the type, the ASTM requirements and approvals for steel pipe, copper pipe, CPVC, brass, stainless, ductile iron, and the different joining methods of all these types of pipes, as well as the certifications for welding and brazing. Along with this information, we can find charts listing reference publications. If you want to dive into this and find more information on this portion, you can find it in Chapter 6.3 through 6.5. Now, following pipe requirements, we find valve requirements. We covered a lot of this information earlier in Chapter 6, so we'll just go over what has not been covered. First thing is valve closure times. Listed indicating valves shall not close in less than five seconds when operated at a maximum possible speed from the fully open position. This includes OSNY valves, butterfly valves, PIVs, and wall post indicators. Where do we find indicating valves in a system? There's a simple answer. All valves controlling water supplies to sprinklers shall be a listed indicating valve. Next, we find identification of sprinkler system valves, which is covered in 6.6.4, but I believe we covered most of this information in the last discussion as well, so we'll skip over this and move on into fire department connections. A fire department connection shall consist of two two and a half inch connections. They should be internally threaded, with swivel fittings with national standard hose threads as specified in NFPA 1963. However, there are some fire department connections who do not conform to NFPA 1963. Two cities I know of right off the top of my head are New York City and Macon, Georgia. Also, Chicago, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore also utilize their own hose threads. I'm not sure if all of these cities still do this or not, but it's an example. And right here in NFPA 13, the next thing it says is the authority having jurisdiction is permitted to designate the connection to be used. What about stores connections? Same thing. The use of threadless couplings shall be permitted where required by the authority having jurisdiction. And then there's the single inlet FDC. A single outlet for fire department connections shall be acceptable where piped to a 3-inch or smaller riser. So every FDC, no matter the type, the style, the size, has to be equipped with approved plugs or caps properly secured and arranged for easy removal by the fire department. We've probably gone far enough this week, so instead of going too long, we're going to leave it here. And we can finish up Chapter 6 next week, and then we'll jump on into Chapter 7. So thank you once again for giving me a few minutes. And as always, measure twice, cut once. Thank you. Thank you.